0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we've got a special guest on the phone with us, all the way from Rock City, Detroit, Michigan. He might not be physically sitting in Detroit, but he's close enough. Brian Lively, who is the charity coordinator for the Detroit Free Press Marathon and Half Marathon. One of the only, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, international half marathons and and marathons that physically takes you through two countries during the race. That's correct, right?
1: That is correct.
0: I know a lot of races call themselves international races because of the field, but this is one of the only true international races which you physically will run through two countries to earn that bling pretty special stuff well thank you brian for being on our podcast today and we're excited to have you on um, on our podcast and talk a little bit about what you've been doing in the philanthropic space as a whole, and then also share with our audience uh, what Detroit is all about. I had the opportunity last year to run the International Half Marathon, and it was a great, great experience. It was our first year with Project Purple being in Detroit, and I know this year uh, we've got a big team coming back, and we're really excited for 2018's race. So, Brian. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Thanks for making the time. And uh, for audience at home, why don't we just, uh, you know, we'll give you some time here to to share your background, your experience, and you can share as much as you want or as little as you want um, with our audience at home. So go right ahead.
1: Yeah. You know, thanks again for having me on. It's a, a pleasure to be able to speak to the community today. So as Dino mentioned I'm the charity director for the 41st uh, Detroit Free Press Chemical Bank Marathon coming up October 20th and 21st of 2018. Uh, uh, combined with that, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Dino and friending him in the the summer of, of 14 when I joined CrowdRise, the nation's largest uh, social fundraising platform for good that has been uh, recently acquired by GoFundMe and. And uh, Dino and Project Purple used uh, Pro- uh, CrowdRise for all of their fundraising. And so I joined uh, CrowdRise in June of 14 as their VP of Sales and Customer Success. And um, really what attracted me to, to both Dino and Project Purple is that of all the, the charities that I was speaking to and with, uh, Dino was running um, and operating Project Purple truly as a business uh, first. Uh, as well as a nonprofit, uh, I don't want to say second, but in, in tandem with the business aspect, which is very rare to the overall nonprofit organization space. Uh, Dino and the team at Project Purple were thinking differently, so that's what attracted me to the organization, and and really was able to uh, get involved with uh, with Project Purple at many levels. So I had the pleasure of serving on the board of directors and have since the summer of 2016. So I've gotten to. Know- know the team the board and the community really really well Uh, knock on wood uh, pancreatic cancer has not touched my immediate family but uh, has definitely um, taken a toll on me within the project purple family Uh, so i've really enjoyed my time getting to know Dino, the team project purple the entire project purple family and have been able to become involved in in that sense Uh, CrowdRise was uh, acquired by GoFundMe in January of 2017. I committed to to stay on through the transition and then parted ways uh, July 1st of last year and was able to successfully start my own uh, consulting um, company that was able to touch everything that I really was passionate about. So the endurance space, I'm a a runner. I've competed in uh, almost a dozen and a half marathons, uh, countless half marathons and 10Ks and 5Ks and all that kind of fun stuff. It's a part of who I am from the endurance space. Uh, so wanted to be able to really remain within the charitable endurance community. Uh, so I'm partnering with the life of Detroit Marathons of the World, great events, uh, great um, charities, great charities partner up with a bunch of local Detroit charities and, you know, I am in fact sitting in uh, lovely Detroit uh, this sunny afternoon, 80 and sunny, which isn't always the case here in Detroit. And, um, uh, working with events, um, marketing companies and the like really being able to have an impact on the overall charitable community, which I I truly enjoy. I also have the pleasure of serving on the board of directors for Running USA, which is the governing body of running for for the state. So lots of fun stuff. Uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity to be the charity director for the Detroit Marathon, the 41st Detroit Marathon, this coming fall. I'm even more excited that Project Purple had a successful first year and is going to be involved a second year. Um, And as Dino mentioned, it really is the only true international marathon and half marathon. So it crosses into Canada, miles uh, three through eight, uh, both for the full and the international half. But the entire weekend actually consists of five different events. So the full marathon, the international half, for those that don't want to go into uh, Canada, we have a U.S. only half. We also have a 5K on Saturday as well as a competitive one mile and the Troy Marathon team has done a really nice job this year being able to uh, incorporate um, some challenges. So you can compete in three or four of the events over the two-day weekend and earn special bling uh, and medals along the way. So some really fun stuff. It's about a 30,000-member uh, com- community overall of those five events over the weekend. And um brings a lot of excitement. We have... 44 official charity partners this year. Uh, One of the changes uh, since I've been in place is we've actually uh, opened up an application to be part of an official charity program, really buys in commitment from both the charity and the marathon to continue to improve the overall process. We've got some some great improvements overall for the charity community this year and want us to continue to, to raise awareness. So, uh, that's a little bit about my background and, and what we're doing and uh, the pleasure that I have of being part of the Project Purple family.
0: Well, Brian, thank you. And and for all those people listening at home, I, I think we've got to kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit. And I appreciate your honesty and everything with uh, mentioning being on the board here at Project Purple. But we know you as Cuz, uh, so that's the cat that we're letting out of the bag. So uh, <laughs> for those of you who know you might be listening in the industry and go, I don't know who Brian Lively is, but I know who Cuz is. Uh that's a joke, but in all seriousness, thank you for all you do. Um and uh appreciate all of it, man, and it's been really kind of a special ride as you have seen and appreciate the kind accolades. So, you know, I, I guess one of the questions that I have here to begin this, and, and thank you for again telling us your background and this is kinda of gonna go back maybe it's, you know, to two thousand fourteen to when you got in this I would call it philanthropic space, you know, you're in this or endurance space, we should say in the, on the philanthropy side, what did you enjoy most about that experience throughout those years? If you can kind of nail down like one, one thing that, you know, you just loved about that experience and, you know, crowd rise and, and, you know, that, that kind of like drove you every day to get to work and like, just work your tail off. And And it's not about, and let's say it's not about the money. Um, Even though money is important, but um, you know what was the w- most important thing or most enjoyable thing about that experience that you had at CrowdRise?
1: Yeah, that that one's easy. I think the most impactful piece is it. It actually changed my life for the better. I um, am the oldest of, of three boys. Grew up all boys in the family. I have uh, two beautiful young daughters, eight and five, and the stories that I heard on a weekly basis uh, that touched me to the point of tears, really altered the way that I thought about, um, you know, really conducting myself and having a balanced lifestyle. There's so much out there that happens on a daily basis, uh, good and bad, that is life changing. So um, the way that we were able to at, at CrowdRise and really being that, technology, um, you know, fluidity to making it easy to raise funds for an unfortunate situation is the one that sticks out the most. So every week there would be new stories, uh, new stories that would make me cry and tear up and just wanting to be able to, to make a difference. And though... You know, money is an important component, both uh, personally as well as, I think, you know, from the, the need for the overall NPO space. Um, there, there just is true stories behind every charity. And when you see charities as well as people within those charities be able to deliver the message in a meaningful, impactful way where we at CrowdRise had a small or a large component on, on helping to communicate that or, um, you know, create that uh, outlet for them to be able to tell that story and to really see communities rally against and around um, moments in time. I uh, just, I have no words for it. It's um you know, changed me in many, many ways and where I wanted to even, you know, go forward in in my late 30s from a um, a career standpoint and how I wanted to make, you know, my mark personally as well as our mark at CrowdRise and everybody that we touched uh, on the world to, to make it a better place, uh, at least for those or some or large communities of individuals um a, you know at different points in their life. So I'd say it's one thing, but it's one thing very global. Uh so I hope you don't mind uh more of a global answer.
0: <laughs> no, and, and and I don't mind the global answer, but I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot. So for sure. Through the entire experience and up till today because I've always said, you know, with with our relationships that we have, you know, we're in over 20 different events nationally. And selfishly I think our mission is the most important mission. But there's so many amazing charities out there, and I've been blessed to meet so many people either running these organizations or running for these organizations at the various events that we attend, right? Yep. So you know, given what you're doing now at Detroit and at your time at CrowdRise, beyond Project Purple, which you gave us great accolades before, what is maybe the the one story or the one group that really moved you and inspired you tremendously that you know to this day kind of still stands out in your mind as something that's really really special and and I know this is a hard question um because I truly believe there are so many great people doing so many great things for various causes um but I'd love to hear your feedback
1: yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there there's so many people, and it's definitely hard to pinpoint one. But I, there's got to
0: be one, cause there's got to be one can, out there. I can I can
1: pinpoint one. Yes, I can, and because it's. Is very close to home. It's, it, it's in my backyard and uh, it involves children. So uh, I met a gentleman by the name of Joe the founder uh, and CEO of Love for a Child, who um, started an organization about a dozen years ago, shortly after college. And it, it really, um, the whole mission is to assist foster children Um, become better people so both within the foster community or with new children that are quote unquote uh, broken because of their previous life or lifestyle and to be able to help them transition into foster care and to be high functioning adults um, just hit too close to home again it's a in my backyard, the county that I live in is one of the counties that Joe and his team serve. And to hear the stories, which I will not repeat, uh, of how they come across uh, some of these children, uh, why, and to meet the children themselves, there's just, uh, there's just no words. And then to see, because he started this uh, roughly 12 years ago, to see them now graduating from high school with all honors and, and, and going off to college, um i just think we as adults can be so much better and and we should and uh while uh my children have a great place at home with two loving parents that's not always the case and how can we support them differently so um i would say it's um I don't prefer to say it like this, but it's easy because it's close to home. But it's in my backyard, and we're making a difference, and and we're changing lives at an early point in time to uh, to make sure that they're very successful throughout their entire adulthood.
0: That's pretty special stuff, man. Um, And I appreciate you sharing that story. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that uh, really resonates, hopefully, with a lot of our listeners. Is you know, uh, you know, creating a positive impact. For those in need and whether that's cancer you know in this case foster children you know we had locally here the Newtown tragedy and you know there were tremendous outpouring of, of families that uh, you know rallied around that and now you've seen it you know just recently here uh, we just hit the anniversary of what happened down in Orlando with the Pulse nightclub and you know all these organizations stepping up so I, I think you know I've always said with this disease we've taken something that's super negative and it's probably you know, we'll become the number two negative in terms of cancer mortality in in a year and a half and tried to create something really, really positive out of it. So I think that's really powerful stuff there. And uh, thanks for sharing that, that story with us, Cuz. So um, kind of sticking with your, your, you know, with your experience here in this, this crowdfunding, I guess, would probably be the, the proper term, right, in terms of helping organizations raise money, at CrowdRise and now as the charity coordinator with Detroit. In your opinion, you know, where do you think it's going for charities in the, you know, in terms of crowdfunding, you know, and, and I think we've kind of, you know, there's been this massive shift. I think Team in Training was the one of the first charities to embrace the endurance space. And I think they just surpassed their 30th anniversary, I believe, just recently. Um so, you know, we're, you know, we were in this eight years ago, we started this endurance program and we've kind of seen a shift with technology now and, you know, prior to the endurance, you know, traditional fundraising was telethons, mail campaigns, which, excuse me, people still do a lot of that. Um, we do our own mail campaign as well. Um, and then there's galas and golf outings, but where do you, where do you kind of see this going in the next five to 10 years, maybe?
1: I think I think that, um, you know, I always love to give the example of, you know, when I was a kid growing up, um, you know, I saw my parents go to a function or two throughout the year, you know, that served up, you know, rubber chicken and the like, and people gave a donation and, you know, the charity would walk away with, you know, a small portion of of that. Uh, we had a very good friend who worked for MDA and, you know, supported the telethon and my parents would go and answer phones and things like that. But, it has transitioned so much over time into it it really is I hate to say it's a it's a you know a millennial piece of the puzzle as well, but everybody now for the most part has some charitable component to them uh really because of the technology and the and the advancements within you know just media in general of um you know everybody's connected at all times. I mean, I think a lot of things that are going on today went on in the 80s and 90s, and uh, we just didn't know about them as easily because they weren't communicated and we didn't have the number of channels that we do today for communication. So I do think charity in general, where it's either volunteerism, um, financial support, Um, you know, health-related and whatnot is going to continue to morph and become more prevalent across the board because it's now hitting home. And everyone, unfortunately, knows someone who's been diagnosed with cancer, who's passed from cancer, who's beaten cancer. Um, It's not, you know, more of a skeptical or a rarity like it once was. So I think there will be continued advancements both from a technology space because it will have to continue to be easy for people to donate, support, volunteer than it ever has been because everybody's lives continue to get busier and busier and and more connected and and wanting to do more and more. So I think as far as, you know, specifically technology, um, it will continue to advance. I mean, you know, what we're using today is technically outdated because somebody's working on the next version of the next app of the next whatever. Um, I think that uh, more charities will hit the space uh but i think that more charities that hit the space others will continue to die if they don't stay relevant so ensuring that they have the right people who are running the organizations is crucial uh making sure you have a myriad of talent on the teams um you know and then i think they're going to continue to be to be more local so uh people want to do special things for their friends and family who have been touched in some manner with uh, disease or death or mishap and uh, they'll continue to become more prevalent. But I, I do believe that the number of charities that enter the space, a similar amount of charities will exit the space because they just won't be staffed or ran appropriately from that standpoint. But you know, with you know, I'm, I'm outdated already because I'm probably still primarily on Facebook and and not on Twitter or Instagram. Um, but that's self-chosen. <laughs> so I think that uh,
0: you yeah, you know, need to get on Twitter because
1: the next the next piece will will evolve to uh, continue to make sure that the majority of the audience is captured.
0: Yeah, you need to get on Twitter because then you'll know what's going on globally with our uh, current president. Um, if you're not on Twitter, you don't know what's going on with politics today, it seems like, which is uh, not sarcasm. That's actually the, the harsh reality, I guess, or the bleak reality of what's going on in our world today. Well, so to stay on that, and and I appreciate the, the feedback, and I, I agree with you, like, On your end, you know, being – and maybe there's something that you guys can share with Detroit that you're working on this year. You know, what is that next technology shift? And I know when, you know, looking back at our relationship at CrowdRise, you know, I think we we didn't even have like mobile capability when we started – working with you guys in like 14, I think that was like, so it's, it's kind of fascinating, you know, going four years forward where like now it's, I think it's yep. what, like 70% of all the applications, all the donations are done on mobile devices now, you know, versus that's desktop. Correct. So it's just fascinating where in, in a little less than four years, we've seen this dramatic shift in smartphones. And naturally a lot of that's been predicated on, you know, Apple and Samsung and the market and, you know, advances in technology, but maybe share with us if you can, um, if you're allowed to, maybe one or two things that you see potentially being a game changer here in the next two to three years with technology uh, on the on the side of what you're dealing with on the, as a coordinator um, there at the charities, and, and quite possibly maybe even with the races potentially, if you have yeah, insight great to question. that. I think
1: that- yeah, no, that for sure. I mean, uh, there's a couple of things. I mean, A, you know, with my involvement in Running USA and representing, you know, all the, the vendor space that's out there, everyone is competing for a similar demographic, um, you know, as far as the number of runners. And, and there's so many races and events across the country. I mean, Project Purple alone is involved in over 20 of those. And, and those are, you know, major events. And a lot of events are, you know, put on uh, by the charity themselves to some degree. Um, really the uh, the advancements in technology is going to play a very, especially within the charity space itself, is going to play to a lot of, it's more probably around the technology around push notifications and tracking runners and things like that. But um, let's say, you you know, your wife Dawn is at the New York City Marathon, and every time somebody from Project Purple runs past, Dawn within the race, a push notification will pop up and say, hey, uh, you know, Tyler just ran past uh, past you at mile 16 and he's, uh, you know, $200 away from his fundraising goal. Would you like to contribute? So it's going to be involving the audience within the endurance events and how can we actually do that? So outside of, you know, my wife can track me at any race, no matter what, where I'm at. And, you know, unfortunately, if I have to slow down or step aside, she knows it. She knows that as well. But um, it's going to be just as easy to recognize the charity field and react accordingly at certain, um, you know, uh, specified points along the course. So I think that's going to be what is going to be the most impactful in the next 12 to 24 months is that we will see more donations being driven on race event today than ever before, because everybody wants to be involved in the action. You know, when I donate $100 to a fellow board member for Project Purple running X marathon, I want to make sure that he or she actually completes the race, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know how they're doing. I want to be involved. I want my $100 to work work for me as well. So if I'm able to be able to see that and say, like, hey, Alex is doing so great. Uh, He's surpassing his expected time. I'm going to send $50 more to reward him. That's one component, one component, excuse me, on the spectator standpoint, on the participant standpoint, it's going to be as inclusive. So as you read in the past, you know, your wife Dawn, um, and she gives you an extra 25 bucks, it's going to communicate to you like, Hey Dawn, just donated $25 to your campaign. Keep going. So it's going to be more involvement in the technology side for both the spectator and the participant to get to their comprehensive goals faster. It's pretty damn exciting
0: so I've got an idea for you, and I don't know if this has ever been uh thought about. I'm sure it has, but maybe someone will listen to this and take the idea and run with it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so what if all right so if and I know when we when I went to running u s a and you go to all these conferences and these races and this ties in the big data right and everyone's trying to gather data and someone is listening to this podcast that's probably gathering data at some point i'm sure but what if everyone who who runs the organization let's say runs this race knows that x amount of people are using pandora or a certain playlist to run and a certain device when they run and the, the headset and the phone and the, the smartphone and the make and the model. And as that happens, so there's two, there's two ends of this, right? So they know what you're running with. They know what you're listening to. And I say running with what type of wearable technology that you're listening to, I guess I should say. Yep. And then as you run, so that's the first part. The second part is what you just talked about. You know, which is which is already happening to some degree. I remember for this year for the Boston Marathon, we had a couple runners, and it was pretty fascinating. And I think TCS does this; they actually show you live like where the person is actually globally positioned on the race course, so you can you can yep. track them through the race course, which is really super cool. I've never done that before. I'm sure anyone who uses TCS probably has that same functionality built in. Um, I just usually look at the splits. But so as you have the music and the device and now you have the tracking and as they do pinpoint those people or they ping those people let's say and someone on the race course who's spectating who's a family member gets ping like hey Brian is nearing the 20k mark cheer him on donate $25 but here's here's what I'm thinking of you donate $25 it sends a song to his device or it sends a cheer message. I remember when I used to use the Nike plus uh, running app, this is amazing myself a little bit. Um, they had that first watch that first like uh, watch. And then the, I, I went to the app on the smartphone. And I remember as I hit milestones, I would get congratulation videos after on the app from like various Nike track and field athletes and I remember like once was it was Shalane like hey congratulations you set a record in your you you know you set a PR in your 5k time or Allison Felix was one of them I think like you know oh you you just ran your fastest mile how cool would that be as these people donate to send that message electronically Um, and then as you hit a goal you know your favorite song comes on Or, you know, I remember going back to, again, my days of this Nike, excuse me, Nike run app. You had these power songs, you know, within your playlist that you could create. So like when you hit the wall, you played the power song because it would power through that wall. So that would be really fascinating to see because, and I don't know if that combination of, uh, you know, using your smartphone and your wearable technology because, I mean, it'd be fascinating. And I don't know the statistic. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that um, I know back after 2013, they kind of put a kibosh on the headphones in some of the races, I think more from a safety issue. And then I think that slowly was integrated back into it, I believe. Um, You know, and, and it's it's fascinating still, I think now with technology, I mean, I, I, we were just in the Lincoln Marathon a couple weeks back, and there were people with, like, those big beats. I mean, I don't know how comfortable that is to, to run in beats or, you know, those those beat-style headphones, you know, like the Bose-type headphones. And, you know, I know that you see the commercials of, uh, you know, the the celebrity athletes, the LeBron James and the Kobe Bryants playing basketball or practicing basketball with those on. But then there's those other types of headsets that wrap around. I just don't wear anything when I run. I, I just – I, I have an issue with... Less uh, is more. Less is more, yeah. So I so to get back to it, I, I'd be really fascinated. I, I mean, that, that could be where we're headed, I would imagine, with the way technology is. We already have it on the tracking. And to incorporate the philanthropic end of it of donation, that would be really cool to see. And then to have it instantaneously affect the runner in a positive way... Um, you know, whether it's, you know, an email is pretty basic that already goes out, but you know, unless he's checking his emails or has notifications turned on, he's not going to see that while he's running. It would be really cool to incorporate his running music that I think that would be really, or some sort of messaging to his smartphone that, that would be fascinating to see happen. I think that would be really cool. I don't know monetarily from a business, if there's enough money in that, but from a, from a cool factor, I think that would be pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I think from a financial standpoint, well, first off, I'll back up. It's happening, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we were discussing with Boston when I was at CrowdRide in 17 was, um, you know, sending personal messages to the participants, to the runners, right? So get to a point where, you know, my wife, Karen, saw me slow down at mile, you know, 17 or around heartbreak or whatever it may be, and my girls sent me like, hey, dad, keep going. We're so proud of you that would definitely drive me and you know the motivation and that i believe is going to be reality sooner rather than later yeah the other things uh, that we were talking about was even you know having certain points within the the event itself to when you know charity runners cross to show them their total raise so you know I run past mile 20, and you know they have all the information linked to my bib, and it shows that I've raised you know $12,000 for Project Purple, you know during the Boston Marathon. Uh, that's not far off. Um, the uh, good, bad, or indifferent piece too. I mean, TCS, you know, we know with NYRR, New York City Marathon, as well as others, they pretty much already know the devices that are being utilized out in the field, you know during the entire race, and and those things are very tangible and and probably near to fruition and completion that they will be happening. I think that, um, you know, like anything, there will be options and settings. And, you know, I don't know if I'd want you, Dino, to donate and then pick a song because you may send me something that (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) listen to. But um, don't mess with my playlist. But uh, I think there's a lot of ways to incorporate, you know, the audience and, and whatnot as well, as well as, you know, from the participant standpoint, you know, I message all of my donors before every race, uh, thank them, let them know that I'm so excited to be a part of the event that day, you know, cheer me on and, uh, you know, who I'm running for and why and, um, you know, tell that story so that they're as connected as humanly possible throughout that piece. And if they could all, you know, give me some motivation along the course. um, I can only imagine my time will be better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. I hope anyway. So yeah, yeah, I think,
1: I think that those types of things are, are very close to becoming reality, which will continue to shift and grow, you know, the overall, the overall space, because it's not just marathon runners that are running marathons, especially within the charity field. It's, you know, it's non-runners, it's, um, couch to, uh, course runners. It's, it's a lot of different people who are fulfilling a lifelong dream. And as you know, less than 5% of, um, country run a marathon at some point in time during their life um it's it's more than just um a time right it's it's for a reason um it's for an accomplishment and it's to show um commitment to what they believe in
0: yeah it's it's pretty fascinating stuff I mean I'm kind of uh Not geeked out, but really excited to see where it goes because it's pretty fascinating if we just take a step back and see where in four years, you know, where it's come. Um, And that's been kind of the lion's share of our volume and our involvement in a lot of races. And uh, technology is a great thing, I think, when it's embraced. And in particular, in the philanthropic space, I think something that you said before, um, you know, if you embrace it and you stay with it, um, can really be a tremendous asset to your business in the ph- philanthropic space so that's that's really where I, I'm getting excited about it and hopefully seeing it benefit Absolutely. us to help more people in the future so to just stay on that topic stay in the crowdfunding and charitable states, um what are some of the changes you know we're talking about like benefits here but what are some of the changes that you see and, and you may have already answered this potentially um in this space that you're seeing, like, that are happening today? Um, And then, you know, to piggyback that, or the second part of that question is, you know, as we talk to our audience as a whole, and I think I mentioned this before, we might have some other charities listening, you know, what should charities do? Like, what are some of the steps that they should be taking to avoid some of those changes and a negative impact to their business?
1: Great question. The number one piece of advice that I can give is dive. Diversify your portfolio. Um, you know, I sound like a, a financial planner, but <laughs> the more you're able to diversify your overall portfolio, the better you will be uh, long term. I mean, I can't express that enough. So, Um, You know, Dina, with, with, you know, Project Purple, it's continued to diversify itself because I think if you only concentrated on endurance events specifically, you know, within the running community, you will continue to grow your overall community, um, but at a smaller percentage, you know, with bringing on great people to the overall organization. Overall organization like Chelsea and Vin and the team, and to be able to touch um, you know CrossFit the way that you're doing it, patient aid, um, you know large corporate donors. If you don't have a diversification of funds coming in, at some point in time you will become stagnant and the growth will not take place. So there's a lot of great organizations out there that are very much just grassroots that have no corporate sponsorship or, or no large donations. And they will just not be able to grow in any significant matter. And maybe that's they don't want to grow, but to stay alive and well and knowing is going to be important. Um, same thing, uh, truth, uh, deems to be very true on the opposite end. I mean, if you are an organization that's fully funded by large grants and large private donors and or celebrities or the like, but don't have a community of individuals to support your brand, and I use that, um, wording very specifically, every nonprofit is a brand and should treat themselves as a brand. Uh, you you won't be able to successfully grow. You need a wide range of community around you. Um, and you know, I know I've shared this with you many, many times, but my first month at CrowdRise, I talked to countless number of charities and they all had the same feedback or Donor base is dying off, and we don't know how to acquire new ones. Uh, That was a real problem for the majority of the charities that we interacted with at CrowdRise. Um, So as your community, you know, ages, you have to continue to add youth. Uh, You have to continue to involve the entire family. Uh, You know, when I go and I run New York City Marathon or the half or or uh, Lincoln or OC or whatever for Project Purple or any other organization, actually make it a family event. Now, that may be easier said than done, but for your local races and things like that, involve your family. My girls, um, they're Project Purple fanatics. You know, they make welcome signs when Dino comes to visit Detroit. They have Project Purple gear. Uh, they know what it's about and they actually know about the disease and the cause. So, educating across the very important, but you have to not rely on only one source of income or one source of personnel. You have to be diversified.
0: would echo those thoughts i mean uh, your last point there there's so much and i i think to go around and i think just like any business you find your you know there's this terminology called your tribe and you find your tribe and you find people that are super passionate about what you do and and you work with them and you make sure they know what's going on and continue to build that tribe of what you have in terms of fellow followers and fellowship and and community you know, which kind of brings us back to something that you said before is, you know, the, the community there at the Detroit Marathon, the community within, and, you know, the community at uh, at CrowdRise. It's, um, it's a very common theme of this podcast is community. And I, I think that's very powerful and very strong in particular when, when you look at the charitable space as a whole, you know, you have all these little communities of doing great things. So it's very powerful. All right. So, Last thing on crowdfunding and and the charitable space, and this is like the hardest question that you'll get probably today on this topic. I give you a blank check. What do you do with it to create positive change in the the charitable space for crowdfunding?
1: That is a tough
0: question. (laughs) I told you Um, this wasn't gonna be easy, cuz. Yeah. Yeah. We want our our listeners to come away with a lot of knowledge and, uh, in in all seriousness, um, you know, we, we really wanted some really deep rooted and, um, really thoughtful questions here because uh, I truly believe, you know, this is a lot of value that not only, uh, individuals can take away and, and, you know, gain from it, but also charities can gain a lot from this. So, uh, we hope our listeners do have that same mindset. So, that's why you're getting some tough questions here today, because no easy questions here.
1: I appreciate it. I would expect nothing less from you. So, the, the question is difficult, but I will tell you in the same breath, the question is really, really easy for me. Uh, if you gave me a blank check, I would fill it out first. I would then cash it to make sure it's good.
0: <laughs> and then I
1: would invest in my people. So, that may mean a myriad of things, for those of you listening, but I will tell you, you're only as good as your team and as your tribe. So, invest in your people, motivate them to do better every single day. Now, that may mean your your quote unquote corporate team at your office. That may be your ambassadors across the country. That may mean in programs that support uh, your people, uh, you know, worldwide. That may be the experience that you're allowing your participants to excel in, you know, throughout the events or how they're connected. But invest in your people. Your people are your brand ambassadors, your people are what's going to bring other people to your organization. As I shared with you all earlier, knock on wood, uh, pancreatic cancer has not touched. My immediate family and life. Uh, I've definitely lost good friends and um, know many people who have lost loved ones, and I love them all. But I became involved because Dino, um, with intent or with not intent <laughs> or unintended, uh, brought me into this circle by um, showing me what he and the team were doing, passionately speaking about the cause thinking differently about the space and investing in his people across the board. Um, You know, it it, it may be hard for a charity or nonprofit to understand, but sometimes you have to spend money to make money. And to be able to make money is to be able to touch more people that uh, are living, you know, with your disease, um, loss, whatever it may be of of what you're supporting. But uh, invest in your people and, and make sure that you have loyalty and commitment and, and build Brad ambassadors. So even though very tough question, I do think at the end of the day, it's easy because no matter if it's the best technology in the world or the best event in the world, or, you know, the best location geographically within the world, you've got to have the right people in place.
0: No one's Superman, at least not yet. That hasn't been proven. Uh, no, that's a, I think, you know, that's a great response to the question because I think in, and you look at any organization and that's where kind of you and I have had great discussions at length about this topic, whether it's a for-profit, non-profit, it's still a business and there's still business structure. There's still business principles. doesn't matter, you know, what your, your coding is on your IRS form. Um yep. and you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself around with within your organization. And I've always said too, you look at someone's character, you can tell a lot from a person if you look at their five closest friends, you know, and what they're made of. And so, you know, it, there's truly something to be said about the people that you have in your circle, or, you know, within your organization, or within your tribe, you know, the many terms that we can use. So it's, it's really... uh It's really important to have really good people around you, not only in business, but also in life. I I truly believe that, so it's it's really powerful stuff. All right, so let's now shift gears. We're going to shift kind of, not 180 degrees, but let's talk about Detroit cause you're doing a great job there this year as taking over the charity, um, you know, being the charity coordinator. And I had the pleasure of, uh, of doing Detroit last year, the half marathon. And I thought, cause it was a great race. The weather you, you and I started the race together. I know, uh, we had your buddy there and, uh, you kind of, uh, I felt good that day and you did the, uh, you did the good thing and hung with your buddy and I was a little bit ahead of you guys. But we did start the race together and I will say this. In all my years of running, which isn't a lifetime, but it's it's fairly significant in the past eight years, the amount of races I've done, I, I don't I don't know how many halves. I think it's close to over fifty possibly. Don't quote me on that. I don't want anyone coming trolling me and saying, Hey, I looked you up on Athlinks and it's only thirty eight, but it's a lot in my mind. I think anytime you go over a bridge is really cool. And I think that's one of the things with Detroit, The course, is really cool because you go over a bridge, but you also go into Canada. You go into another country, which is really, really cool. So let's talk a little bit about the race itself. Um, you know, What do you think, in your opinion, and, and you've done the race more than once, right? You've done it in years prior, I believe, correct? Absolutely. And, and being a lifelong resident of Michigan, you grew up and born and raised in the Detroit area. What do you think is the best thing about that race? And, and, you know, we'll use the, the race as a whole. And when we say race, I'm meaning, you know, the whole weekend, because Saturday you have the 5k Sunday, you do the half and you do the full. Um, and there's also a relay, um, portion as well for the full marathon.
1: Yeah. The best thing about the, uh, Detroit Free Press Chemical Bank Marathon in totality is a continued advancement. I mean, as a native to Metro Detroit, um, as most of you probably on this call know, Detroit hasn't always had the best reputation. Um, It's continued to evolve and improve. And the community is a little gritty and very passionate about Detroit. So the vibe on you know race weekend, especially race mornings, either Saturday or Sunday, it's just through the roof. You feel really special to be a part of the community. And our course is it's it's one of a kind across the entire country. It's the only true international um, you know marathon and half marathon and. Uh, you're fully supported on on both sides. It's um it's fun. To, we start early in the morning. It's always dark. It's it's usually a, a pretty good temperature for the most part. Um, you start and you go, and the Ambassador Bridge is just lit up, and and you get to run over the bridge, and you can you know see from the states you know into Canada. You get into Canada, and and border control, which you know, normally think wouldn't be that fun and fun and they're excited that you're there and they're cheering you on and you get five beautiful miles along the uh the windsor coast from uh, uh you know along the canadian side of the border there before you go into the tunnel and actually come back into the states and into detroit so you get to experience it two different ways you can go in and out of of uh you know detroit into windsor in, into canada through the bridge or the tunnel you get to experience both on race day so go over the bridge into Canada, and then come back through the tunnel. And, and once you come out of the tunnel, which is pretty much mile marker eight, and you just see the massive fans and cheering sections welcome you back to what has continued to improve year over year the landscape of Detroit, it's pretty amazing. We had our first all-team um, Detroit Marathon staff team meeting uh, about a month ago, and the operations director was just kind of laughing and saying, this this much more difficult year over year over year because up until about four years ago, there wasn't a soul on the street, you know, the night before the marathon. So they could start setting up at 11 o'clock and barricade off and get everything ready. Now the nightlife in Detroit is, is out and about until three and four in the morning. So we have a shortened period of time to actually get the event ready to take off and and go. And so I just think the, the hometown 80% of the running population is from, uh, Michigan. There's a good portion from Canada. And then, you know, usually there's about 35 plus states that are represented. So people are coming from everywhere, but it's a true hometown feel for the event. And we've continued to grow it too. So, you know, my experience last year was running the 5k with my seven year old. It was, uh, Actually, her third 5K that she completed, but most special because it was in Detroit, and then you know rolling into Sunday. So uh, you know participants are really making a full weekend out of um, out of the uh, the marathon, which is a lot of fun to see.
0: I I will agree with everything you said, and I will tell the listeners at home this. I was not expecting coming out of the bridge, which is a little tough. Last year it was a little warm in the bridge, and um, you know the bridge is funny. Be, or not the bridge, but the tunnel. The the bridge was awesome, um, and I, I agree with your um, statement about the border patrol. And you know the one caveat that we'll tell our listeners is you have to apply for the international half marathon by August because you have to clear customs. Correct, Cuz? That's correct. Okay, um, so that's part number one with the international races, and there is a domestic uh, race too, correct? Yep. There is a domestic and, uh, option. So
1: the international half is the first 13.1 miles, and the U.S. only half is the second 13.1 miles, which includes a historic Belle Isle, which is yep. – uh, a three-mile Greek. island off
0: of Detroit. And Greektown as well. You go through Greektown as well yeah. in that second half. So there's some really, really cool areas of Detroit. But I will say this. So if you're not allowed to leave the country for whatever reason or don't feel that you want to, let's put it that way, you can run the second half, uh, the the US-only marathon half marathon in Detroit. But if you are going to run the international one, the bridge is amazing. Border patrol is fantastic. The Canadians are awesome. And then the tunnel is really cool. And, you know, I was, when I was running through the tunnel, the only thing is I couldn't see the other end because it's kind of a left hand bank um, exiting the tunnel. And I will say this when you exit the tunnel, it was absolutely insane on the other side of the tunnel. And I was not expecting the amount of people not just on the side because you come out of that tunnel and it's you know it's an on-ramp or an up-ramp, you're going up the ramp and you're banking to the left and then you're going underneath the, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause you're going underneath the expo, which is the um, convention center under an underpass and then so there's thousands of people on the side, but then there's thousands of people on the top that are on the overpass, just cheering. It's it's just really kind of electric scene there as you come out of the tunnel, which really pumps you up for, you know, if you're doing the half, you know, you still only have like four miles to go or, you know, almost five at that point. So um, really, really cool thing to have happen you know going over the bridge experiencing Canada and actually seeing the skyline of Detroit which is really fascinating and then going into the tunnel and then I I wasn't aware of the crowd support that was on the other side of the tunnel and you don't really I maybe I was just me I didn't hear it because I was kind of focused on where the end is and just talking to runners inside the tunnel or focusing on just running Um, and then you come out of that tunnel and it's just so electric it was really really cool that's pretty special stuff and then I think, and you you didn't mention this, the finish line, which is the same finish line for the full and a half downtown and something that you said, I was blown away with Detroit last year, just the city and how cool it is, I think is, you know, really, really cool. And I think you and I talked about this last year. And no offense to the TGI Fridays and the Ruby Tuesdays of the world, but uh, there's some really really cool spots, and it seems like Detroit has done a great job in this whole revitalization, which I know has taken years. Um, but you go through some really cool areas, and then you head down into Main Street, back to the start line, and the finish is really cool. Um, you know, there's crowds on both sides. There's thousands of people cheering you on, you're right in the heart of downtown Detroit, and uh, really, really cool race, and they did a really good job, hats off to the the folks there that organized that race, because there are a lot of people, as you said, I think last year, uh, I think on race day with the half and the full, I think there was close to 27,000, I think they said, or 25,000 just doing the half and the two full, so it was just really, really cool to see that many people, I think logistically, any race that... You know, is over 5,000 people to get people moving around, whether it's 26 miles or 13 miles. When you have the masses of people, then not only you have thousands of fans, to just keep that all coordinated is just really, really cool. So they do a great job. Absolutely. I think um you know that, that Detroit, if you haven't run Detroit, um, you know, we still have spots for the half the full, either half as long as you get in before August for the international half, but uh is a great event and we're really looking forward to uh to this year's team. All right, so one last question um is if you can share um if you know of anything for maybe the listeners at home that have run Detroit, is there anything different from last year's race or in years prior that you can share with us that is different this year for the 2018 version?
1: Uh, Yeah, every year, because of all the construction and all of the improvements in downtown Detroit, the course will continue to be updated. (laughs)
0: So look
1: out for uh, potential changes in the course. Uh, Second is there's a big push on making the starting corrals more seamless. So trying to stretch out a little bit, uh, potentially maybe even getting charity some of their own space. So we're looking at doing some really cool, unique things there as well. And then I think the one of the coolest things about Detroit, too, and it will continue to improve, and there's some, there's some really cool access here, is just all the entertainment along the course. As, you know, known as uh, the Motor City, um, and where so much music has been produced from, you know, legends like, you know, um, madonna and,
0: and journey and
1: so on so kid rock and so on and so forth right temptations all the kind of old school stuff too is that we just continue to have some of the best acts and entertainment along the course so you can see some really cool things happening there and as always you know for those of you that love the bling the medals continue to improve but they are all based around motor city so there's a collective series that you can Get attached to if you uh, run the marathon or the half uh, continuously year after year. So all good stuff. We're really awesome. excited about it all.
0: Well, we're excited as I said, you know to be part of it again, bigger and better. Thank you for all you do for the charitable community. Thank you for all you do for Project Purple. And one last thing, Brian, if our audience at home wants to reach out to you, where could they find you and potentially maybe use your services? If there are other charities out there uh, looking to consult or uh, just have questions, is there a way that they can get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I am the proud uh, founder and owner of ACL Squared Consulting. Uh, you can email me at lively, L-I-V-E-L-Y, period, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N at com. Find me on LinkedIn or you can just uh, search for ACL Squared Consulting and I'll pop up, be more than happy to have uh, some open conversations, see if there's opportunity to assist and, and go from there.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, Brian. cause. Thank you for the time today. This has been awesome. Uh, Thank you again for all you do, for everyone in the charitable space, and most importantly for us here at Project Purple. Uh, We couldn't do the things that we are doing without the support of our great board, and and you're a big part of that. So thank you once again, and uh, thanks for the time.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me, and uh, we are Project Purple.